Welcome to the Wrestling Nostalgia version of the WWE Podcast. And tonight, we're not going back very far, but we're going back to a very important time in the women's evolution slash revolution, looking at the women for the first time ever in 35 years of the history of WrestleMania that the women got to main event and earned, I should say earned, the main event spot at WrestleMania 35 just a couple of years ago, or just about anyway. So this is going to be a fun one because it's somewhat recent in our memories. And we also get to kind of look ahead, maybe to see if Rousey would ever make a return and when Charlotte's possibly on the horizon for her return. So let's get everything started right after this. Are you in a position where you need to sell your home? Perhaps you're facing financial difficulties or you're facing a foreclosure, a divorce, or maybe you're just relocating because of retirement. Maybe there are some other debt issues and you just need to sell your home. Well, here is a great solution for you. And that solution is Bright Realty Investment. They are a leading real estate solutions company and their mission is to work hand in hand with all parties to handle every situation with the utmost professionalism and care. So if you're in a particularly stressful financial situation right now and you need to protect your credit, then don't waste another minute. Head on over to brightrealtyinvestment.com. That's brightrealtyinvestment.com. And when you go to the website, there's a really easy form you fill out. It's right at the top and they'll get back to you immediately. So why wait? Don't let that divorce, that retirement or other bad debt situation take control of your life. Take control back and head on over to brightrealtyinvestment.com where they can buy your house, protect your credit and get your life back on track. Again, head on over to brightrealtyinvestment.com. It's time for your weekly fix of wrestling nostalgia. When we look at wrestling's past eras, from the Attitude Era to the Reality Era. I'd like to think that maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead, but the fact is, it's it's going to get taken over by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law and the rest of his stupid family. To today. Here on the WWE Podcast. Well, it is that time of the week, a day late, but we're here. We're here to talk about wrestling and wrestling's past, whether it's the distant past or, in this case, the recent past. And tonight we're going to be talking about WrestleMania 35, the very first time the women main evented WrestleMania, a hell of an accomplishment, and I firmly believe that it was not given to them and it was earned. I really I really believe that. It's not me blowing smoke up WWE's backside. That is really my belief. It was truly earned. It didn't feel forced. It really felt like the main event, the way that it was built, albeit some big big flaws and one big problem I had with the match. And if you know me, you probably know where I'm going with that. But overall, well-deserved. And we're going to get into the story that led to it, led to the main event, as well as speculating on when Becky Lynch could be returning, when Charlotte's going to be returning, and when Ronda Rousey, or if Ronda Rousey's going to return. Amazing. When you think about Those three women that main evented WrestleMania 35 are currently not active on the WWE roster. 
yet the WWE women continue to, I think, thrive. And some have stepped up, namely Bailey, who I think is the breakout star of the year, you could argue, on either men or women's divisions. So we've got a lot to discuss when it comes to the women's division, of which I have not done a women's wrestling nostalgia yet. So what bigger moment to start with in the recent past anyway, other than the main event of WrestleMania 35. So we will dive into that full force. But you guys know at the front of my show, I like to get to voicemails. And you guys have been really plowing me with voicemails lately. It's not a complaint. I really I do appreciate it. And we're going to get to those. Some regular callers, some brand new to the show. We're going to get to those. And first, though, I want to make sure that you guys know about tomorrow night. It is the very first night or the first night of this WWE draft for this year anyway, for 2020, where the Botch Guy and I will be co-opting a show for you right here on the WWE Network immediately following SmackDown tomorrow night. So not usually my style. I, As you know, I watch Raw and SmackDown on delay, which is why I don't give you instant feedback more often than not on Twitter and or on Instagram, of which follow me on Twitter at wrestling underscore audio and on on Instagram at WWE underscore podcast. But this is a special occasion because it's the botch guy. And if you guys haven't heard of him or don't know what he does, head on over to YouTube and just type in his name, the botch guy, and he will pop up really, really fun to watch. And uh, just he does things in real time, which is nice. Um, He publishes things very quickly and gives you instant reactions in a very entertaining, authentic way. I mean, I'm really, I'm not just making that up to say it. He is really an asset to the wrestling community. So check out the Botch Guy on YouTube. Him and I will be doing a collaborative show tomorrow night, immediately following SmackDown, so that when you wake up on Saturday morning, you will get the show in your pocket uh, to whatever device that you normally pull podcasts from. So uh, if if you're wondering why last night I didn't do my nostalgia, which I'm very timely, I like to make sure that I'm you know, really timely with my shows and you guys can rely on what night things are coming out. However, um, last night was just an absolute crap show. Uh, and what I mean by that is I'm moving, number one. So that means boxes are surrounding me. It's a disaster. Uh, if you've seen my videos on YouTube, which, by the way, youtube.com slash the WWE podcast, um, which I only do like two-minute videos, maybe three minutes tops on certain topics. But you've noticed boxes in the background. It's just it's just a mess. Um, it's because I'm moving. It's not because I'm just a sloppy human being. Uh, but I will be moving to a much better location for my office space, an actual dedicated space that I'll be kind of just be able to make my own. And that'll be coming in the next few weeks. But it's, you know, moving is a pain in the backside, right? Like, it, I mean, it's boxes, it's stress. You know, you, you just don't realize how much you have and so forth. So it's that. And then the power went out uh, for... 24 hours here. Uh, we had massive winds, like 80 miles an hour, 90 miles an hour. It was just ob- obscene for up here. I mean, it never happens. So uh, never. I mean, there were limbs and trees down on power lines. It was an absolute disaster here. So, I mean, I'm surprised it actually only took 24 hours. I thought it was, wasn't was going to be for another, like, two, three, four days that we'd have power here. I mean, I, com- I couldn't almost get out of my neighborhood this morning. Like, I couldn't get out. And I live in a suburban neighborhood. I couldn't get out of it. I mean, it, it it was it was ridiculous. Roads blocked here and there. So that is the reason if you're like, hey, where the hell was it last night? I tweeted it out. 
because I was able to, even though I, don't, I didn't have Wi-Fi, I still have a cell connection, although I didn't have something to really charge my phone. So it was, what do I use my phone on? <laughs> so I was just like, you know, you got to be really selective because your battery drains quick on when you're using a, a uh, cell tower. So I tweeted it out at wrestling underscore audio. And I said, hey, uh, just so you know, wrestling uh, nostalgia tonight's moving to tomorrow night. And uh, I got lucky and the power came back on. So anyway, just wanted to let you guys know it wasn't that I just missed it. I just couldn't physically do it, which is also why. The NXT show came out later than normal. Uh, it came out like evening time today. So my apologies, guys, but uh, that one was completely out of my control. Moving forward, though, as I said, tomorrow night's a big show. And then Sunday night, if I'm not, you know, if I haven't jumped off a bridge at that point uh, with all the, the moving and, and all that kind of thing, that's just it's so consuming, but totally worth it. I will be doing a Sunday night show just as I normally would. So all these things I'm complaining about mean nothing to you. Other than you need to know that I will be doing my damnedest to make sure I'm on schedule and uh, giving you guys the audio that you want. So it's Sunday night, I should be back, and then, hey, it's just kind of normal from there. Tomorrow also is wrestling or WWE rivalries from Anthony DeMarco, and we're going to be getting an alternate SmackDown review. Yes, I'm doing my own SmackDown review with the botch guy, with the draft and everything, but what's wrong with another alternative perspective, right? What's wrong with a secondary voice on that show? It's a big show, so why not? The WWE draft does not happen uh, more than once a year. So here's the rules, by the way, of the draft. So you, and this is coming from WWE.com, not from my brain, which is a scary place to be. Uh, Here's how it's going to roll. So obviously it starts tomorrow night on on SmackDown, and it's going to conclude on October 12th, this coming Monday Night Raw. And here's what's going to happen. 60 male superstars and female wrestlers. I hate saying superstars. I feel so foolish. 60 men and women. How about that? And tag teams have been placed into the draft. And more than 20 are eligible to be drafted on Friday. And more than 30 are eligible to be drafted on Monday. And due to the length of the show, for every two picks SmackDown gets, Raw gets three. So really not out of the ordinary here. They are telling us that what they've told us in the past. SmackDown gets two, Raw gets three. That's uh, pretty traditional. Tag teams will count as one pick unless Fox or USA, in conjunction with WWE officials, wants one superstar from the team. Well, now, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. So let me ask you, let me ask this. If Fox and USA are the ones drafting, as if they're like, they're playing like each is an NFL team choosing the draft pick that they want. Well, what the hell does a WWE official have to talk about, say about that? I mean, what do WWE officials have to say? Are they are they weighing in to tell Fox and USA, who probably have no idea what they're doing in terms of if this, if this was a true draft? I'm not talking about if this was you know a, a pro wrestling version style. I'm talking about if they're trying to make this a real draft that we're supposed to believe in. Why the hell are WWE officials involved in this? What do they have to say? That would be the equivalent of, say, I'm the New York Giants. And I have on the other side of the aisle uh, New England Patriots. And we're both drafting from a pool of people that we can pick. That would be the equivalent of the NFL having a say in who I pick. So that figure that one out. I mean, I, it's bizarre. So... Here we go with the next rule. Any undrafted uh, wrestlers will immediately be declared free agents and be able to sign with the brand of their choosing. Hey, uh, WWE uh, wrestlers, boy, I'm trying to not say that word superstars, 
have been split into eligible pools for the Friday and Monday episodes of the draft. Conversations have been ongoing with between WWE officials, Fox, and USA, so stay locked into WWE Digital for the latest. And they give you, and I'm not going to read every name, but they give you pools for Monday and for Friday. So Monday's pool is obviously much, much bigger, but I think there's going to be some huge moves here. Huge moves that are that are uh, just completely shaking up the whole thing. And I, I alluded to this on my Men Night Raw review, which feels like a week ago. But I think The Fiend could come to Raw. I think Drew McIntyre could go to SmackDown. I think Roman Reigns could come to Raw. Uh, or Roman Reigns could stay on SmackDown. I mean, I I would like, as I said, somehow, some way for Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns to eventually cross paths. Now, I don't think they're going to both lose the belts, and you can't have both tight, uh, big belts on the same show. So I would uh, lead to believe that Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre are probably going to uh, cross paths at WrestleMania and stay on separate, I should say, the Royal Rumble, and then eventually meet at WrestleMania. But for the time being, these two are probably going to be on separate brands Um, because I'm really looking forward to a Drew McIntyre-Roman Reigns match, especially now that Roman's in the correct role after six years of a forced babyface run, and Drew McIntyre is in a very good place too as a babyface and coming into his own. So that's the rivalry I'm looking at, are these two, and I think they cross paths for the first time at the Royal Rumble, which leads to a Mania match. So keep that in mind. But you also could have Seth Rollins go to SmackDown. I think that would be a hell of a pick for SmackDown. And shake things up for Seth Rollins. I mean, he needs to he needs to get the hell away from the Mysterios. Just, just stop. Stop. Uh, you know, if Murphy wants to be involved... Fine. Now, Murphy's doing probably the most relevant thing he's ever done in his career. But if these two have a match at Hell in a Cell, fine. We'll call it the final interaction between Raw and SmackDown wrestlers until the Royal Rumble. Or wait, until Survivor Series, which is the only night that wrestlers, uh, that uh, both brands go head to head. You know, except for the WrestleMania, except for the Royal Rumble, and except for sometimes SummerSlam and throughout the year, of which we never get an explanation for. But, you know, outside of those in uh, really undetermined amount of times, they only meet at Survivor Series head-to-head. Yeah. Uh, so don't get ready. <laughs> get ready for Survivor Series, where these, these men and women who are being drafted suddenly have a death loyalty to the brand that they were drafted to. Just get ready for it because that's that's what's going to happen. All rivalries go under the rug. No matter what you're doing, it goes under the rug for the good of the brand. And you tell me, somebody out there, please tell me, any brand that has shown superiority, even when I think I think SmackDown was swept or they or they did sweep Raw, I forget which way it was, and there, oh I think it was Raw who swept SmackDown completely. And there was no repercussion. There was nothing. Do fans care? The answer is no. We're WWE fans. If you watch Raw, you watch SmackDown. There is no fan out there that I know of that watches Raw and goes, "Ugh, screw SmackDown. I'm never watching that because I'm loyal to the red brand. Well, why? <laughs> why? So the, this this made-up gimmick is a, is a rivalry that is it's forced. It's a gimmick that doesn't work. And the fans don't care. So uh, And it's unbelievable for everyone to throw their personal problems aside to all come together, the band together, because I'm wearing the same color shirt you are. It's preposterous. I'm already ranting about Survivor Series, and it's not even here yet. So we got a long, long way to go. Anyway, that's the draft coming on Friday, of which part one will be 
reviewed again here by myself and the botch guy. And it's gonna, I think it's going to be fun. I just hope that they don't present it in the same way that they did with last year's draft, which was just a an embarrassing, frustrating version of a of a mock draft. I mean, I know what they went for. I appreciate the effort last year, but boy, oh boy, was it tough to watch. And people cheering, and, and, and they had war rooms. Good, good. Can we just not do that? Can we just have people show up on screen? Like, just put a graphic up on the Titantron. I don't need the pomp and circumstance of an embarrassing mock draft that we all know WWE or uh, Fox and USA officials have no, no vested interest of actually going in war rooms and doing this in a real way. I mean, they just don't care. They go, hey, what about the ratings? Right? They go, keep up the ratings, and that's all we care about. I don't really know about your product in detail. I don't really know who who draws what, but I do know that I just want ratings good. Right? Like, that's all they care about. So, oh, please don't do war rooms. I'm begging you. Please, just put a graphic up, and we can all cheer or boo, and we can move on with our lives. But it's exciting, right? It shakes things up, and it is something that will create a lot of news and a lot of buzz and a lot of speculation, and we can start to look at rivalries that either haven't happened in a while uh, or maybe have never happened. That's hard to find, though. (laughs) That is a hard thing to find in a uh, in a WWE environment now, where you look at two stars and you're like, "Ooh, they haven't met yet. They've never met." That's really difficult. <laughs> I don't even know if it's possible outside of maybe NXT stars that have uh, been given the green light to come up to Raw or SmackDown. I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking at the uh, the, the the list of people. And I don't see a whole lot of NXT talent that hasn't been brought up yet. I will say that. Uh, we have some newbies like Dabakato. He's available. Um, Arturo Ruas. He's available. Um, boy, this is this is not looking good for if you believe that NXT is going to be brought up this way. And that, you know what? That's fine. Because we have Survivor Series coming up. And we can't just pull the whole NXT roster into Raw or SmackDown. It would just be kind of crazy. So... Alrighty, well, I think I've uh, beaten that introduction into de- uh, to death at this point. Let's get to voicemails because we got a few of them tonight, and I want to hear what you guys have to say. So let's get to that first one. Hey Matt, this is Jeff again from the Philippines, and I just want to give my opinion about the cinematic matches. I know you're not a big fan of those, and the same goes for me because for me. For me, when you're watching a wrestling show, the segments of that show should take place in a wrestling arena, just like any other sports. When you're watching basketball, the game should take place in a basketball court. And the same goes to other sports. And here's what I think. Bray Wyatt, who is very much involved in these type of matches, is a supernatural character, just like The Undertaker. And when The Undertaker was still very active in the ring, there were matches like Buried Alive, Inferno Match, and Casket Match. And here's what I think why WWE is doing cinematic matches instead of those type of matches. Um, I think the advertisers would be mad if they do the the Buried Alive Inferno match and the cas- casket match 
during this time like imagine if the advertisers see a wrestler being buried in dirt i think they'll be mad at wwe and speaking of bray wyatt um about his current program with kevin owens right now i think after kevin's match and the pinned on smackdown they will bring kevin back to nxt because we know he wants to go back to nxt and that's my opinion for the day thank you matt have a great day Hey, Jeff, as always, thanks so much for calling in. It's really cool that you're out in the Philippines. You know, I didn't know they had anybody listening to me all, all the way out there. Very cool. I'm uh, glad you enjoyed the show. So you, you got some, you got, first of all, you got me laughing. <laughs> uh, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way. <clears throat> when you talked about, you know, in these times, obviously COVID and, and everything, all the other craziness and violence going on in the world, if WWE had a very live match, yeah, I think they'd be in bad taste. Um, I think that if this was 1999, 2000, 2001, they probably could have got away with it because I think people were not as concerned about the WWE product as they are now from a, you know, basically a PR perspective. WWE has gone since gone public. They have, as you said, many advertisers, many sponsors that would have, you know, they would be knocking down WWE's doors and tearing up their contracts likely with WWE if they went through with a buried alive match at this point. I mean, personally, I'm not offended by it because here's the here's the deal. If you can decipher fantasy from reality, you probably are okay with something like this. I mean, I'm not going to boycott a shoot 'em up movie if there's a mass shooting, right? Like, if remember the whole the whole tragedy in Vegas, right? Like, awful. I mean, that, that was just terrible. But you don't see people boycotting movies after that, that have gun violence in them. I mean, because a lot of movies do. So, in that same way, you don't... WWE is kind of held to a different standard, I should say. WWE is held to the standard of you need to make sure that you have your sponsors happy before fans happy. And I think a lot of fans, honestly, I think the majority of fans, if they were to do something like that, would probably not be offended. But you know the sponsors would be. And WWE serves their sponsors first. You know, it took me a long time to kind of come to that conclusion that you, that WWE serves their sponsors first. And you may ask, well, why? The fans are the ones watching. The fans are the ones pouring the money into the company. Well, they are, and they're an important piece of the company. But if you look at their financials and you look at their, their reports that they put out every quarter, the majority of their revenue comes from TV, sponsorships. So... If WWE is going to serve a master and they had to pick one, guess who that master is going to be? It's their it's their TV deals. It's their sponsorships with Progressive or Geico or whatever, whoever the hell is sponsoring them. That is who their master is. We're kind of secondary. And I, I think a lot of fans, including myself, often forget that when we, we complain about storylines or incoherence. And yes, sometimes I think it's a lazy way out of making sure that booking makes sense to say that, well, you know, look, fans are important, but, and they'll never say this, but this is what they're probably saying behind closed closed doors. The majority of our revenue comes from our sponsors. Uh, but hell, I would, I honestly would love to see the reaction of, uh, of social media, especially if WWE was to ever do something like that, especially now. Um, and Kevin Owens to NXT. 
Yeah, that is something I've heard for many time, many years too. Uh, that he's been very vocal about wanting to go back. I would think he'd be much better fit for him. I think it's a much better fit for Kevin Owens to go back to NXT. His personality seems to fit there. His wrestling style seems to fit there. Um, at times, he feels bored. He feels like he's bored on Raw or SmackDown or wherever he's going now. I think he would fit in well with the culture of NXT. Plus, a returning star like Kevin Owens wouldn't feel like he's invading NXT and that he's an unwelcome guest because he's been there, done that. He came from NXT, made a name for himself in NXT. He came up and faced John Cena as NXT champion at Elimination Chamber five years ago, maybe more, and beat him. That was a hell of a moment. I mean, Kevin Owens felt like he belonged off the bat. So Kevin Owens in NXT would be a would be an absolute perfect fit. For both parties. But I don't think with WWE's lack of star power right now that they would allow him to do so. Because they'll say, we need you, man. We need you on Raw. We need you on SmackDown. And I think it's doing a disservice to not only making sure your your performers or your wrestlers are happy, which is important. But it's also for the, 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 the good of the brand, the good of the entire company. WWE always likes to say, especially Stephanie... You know, what's good for the brand? What's good for the brand? What's good for the brand? The good, what's good for the brand is building all brands. It's building all brands of Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. Bringing back a star like Kevin Owens in NXT like they did with Finn Balor, that's worked beautifully for Finn Balor. He has reinvented himself in NXT. He's doing better in NXT than he ever was on the main roster. He was cursed on the main roster. So, yeah, I would love it. Okay, Jeff, thanks so much. On to the second one here. Hey, this is the Waz from Indianapolis area. Just uh, calling in. It's been a while. Just catching up on some of the uh, episodes on Hulu. Um, I'm uh, so ready for the Mysterio Rollins thing to be done. I love that Murphy has turned on him. Maybe this will take Seth in a whole different direction or make him more crazy. I don't know. But there's got to be a change to that because it's gotten old. Um, I was hoping that would be a faction, but obviously uh, that's not the way they went with it. Um, Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre, <clears throat> excuse me, Drew McIntyre, that, that's that got to uh, come to an end here. It's a hell of a sell, and I'm hoping uh, Randy takes it. I think he will. Um, i just uh, tired of the Street Profits. I think that we need to, they need to make a change there. They're just not... They're just not that good, um, and I don't care for them at all. So let's uh, make a change there. The women's tag team titles, they seem irre- irrelevant and stupid, um, so that needs to go away as well. I just uh, hope that uh, this come upcoming draft isn't as horrible as it was last year. They don't try to make it like it's a – sports thing, although I got a feeling they're going to. I, I'd almost rather they just draw names out of a hat or do a kind of bingo type thing or something and make it seem like it's random, even though we know it won't be. I think that would be better. Anyways, hope you guys are all doing well. I'm sure there's about 20 other things that I wanted to say, and I just can't remember what they are at the moment. But, uh, oh, Retribution being gone the last few weeks. That's been great. I hope that that kind of just fades off and goes away. And then the underground definitely needs to go away. And uh, I like Fiend going against Owens. I want to see where Owens goes after all this. 
And, uh, yeah, so thanks again. Hey, Waz, thanks for calling back. And, yeah, it has been a while, but good to hear from you. Boy, you, you got a lot in that uh, few minutes. <laughs> a lot. Uh, so I can't, I'm not going to comment on everything. I'll just pick and choose a couple of things. Overall, I feel like you're you're looking for a lot of change and movement. It feels like things have been stagnant for a while, and it's time to open up the windows, so to speak, and let some fresh air in. That That's the sense I'm getting. And in some respects, I agree, right? Like, it, it does, the, the Mysterio thing, I think all fans in unison can say, end this now. And I said about five weeks ago at Hell in a Cell, it will end. Now, the Murphy thing has added a new wrinkle, and Murphy is exponentially more interesting than he was just a month ago. I don't enjoy the Aaliyah thing. I don't enjoy the Mysterio family. They are a distraction and very bad actors. Bad. Especially the wife who is just, I mean, you know, Miss Roboto. I mean, I don't know what she's doing. Uh, I don't know her presence. I don't understand it. I'm just supposed to see. I'm just, I guess it's for the visual of they're a familia. They're a family. Look how much of a family man and tight-knit they are. And look at the dissension that Seth Rollins is creating. What an evil SOB. I guess. I mean, to me, I'm more interested in, in Murphy versus Seth Rollins. That's what I'm looking forward to. I don't care about Aaliyah, right? Uh, Murphy did make it a little more interesting, but get Rey Mysterio out of it. If they just want one more match to blow it off and they kill each other inside the cell, fine. I mean, but to me, it's Murphy versus Seth Rollins. And the, the Rey Mysterio thing could be done, but they're still tied in. So, yeah, I'm with you. The other thing uh, that I wanted to touch on... War was, uh, th- yeah, the Street Profits. Y'all know what I think about that. Uh, not my favorite. Uh, the Street Profits have been kind of just hoarding those tag team titles for months now. It's and it's kind of like, hey, are we gonna are we gonna do some of these? You know, it, it it's a, uh, I don't know, not not my favorite either. I agree. Retribution not being there, that was nice. <laughs> Raw Underground not being there, that was also nice. And, and you know, it sounds like we're totally just kicking the entire WWE product to the curb. But I want to clarify that there are some good things going on. It's just, it feels like things need to move. It does feel stagnant. And I'm with you on that. It feels like we need something new going on. Just have Randy capture the belt. Have uh, Raw Underground pretend it didn't exist. Retribution, they're clearly going to continue with. So I don't think there's any chance of that going away. But yeah, it does seem like things just need to be kicked in the backside. They need to kick in the pants and then move on. That's, I agree. So, yeah, good analogy and or a good uh, good observation. Thanks, Waz. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break, a couple more voicemails, and we're diving into that wrestling nostalgia of the main event of WrestleMania 35 for the women. You're listening to the WWE Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. Are you in a position where you need to sell your home? Perhaps you're facing financial difficulties, or you're facing a foreclosure, a divorce, or maybe you're just relocating because of retirement. Maybe there are some other debt issues, and you just need to sell your home. Well, here is a great solution for you. And that solution is Bright Realty Investment. They are a leading real estate solutions company, and their mission is to work hand-in-hand with all parties to handle every situation with the utmost professionalism and care. So if you're in a particularly stressful financial situation right now and you need to protect your credit, then don't waste another minute. Head on over to brightrealtyinvestment.com. That's brightrealtyinvestment.com. 
And when you go to the website, there's a really easy form you fill out. It's right at the top and they'll get back to you immediately. So why wait? Don't let that divorce, that retirement or other bad debt situation take control of your life. Take control back and head on over to brightrealtyinvestment.com where they can buy your house protect your credit, and get your life back on track. Again, head on over to brightrealtyinvestment.com. Welcome back to the WWE Podcast. Let's get back to more great wrestling audio. All right, everybody. Let's get into that next voicemail. We're creeping closer, I promise, to the wrestling nostalgia. You guys just, you send in your voicemails, and I love it. And I want to make sure you have a voice. And you know what? If I, I will say this, if, if I continue to get a lot of voicemails, and that's totally fine, maybe I'll just have a separate show for like a, like a mailbag, or I don't want to say mailbag, that's a phrase used by another podcast, but that kind of segment where I just, I respond to your emails in maybe a longer form, and your emails and your and your voicemails, which by the way, if you want to call in, easy, super easy to do. It's 518-952-0247 or email at podcast at gmail.com. So, all right, let's get to that voicemail, guys, and respond. Hello, this is Kendall. I like Brandy Orton. He is my favorite wrestler. I, I listen every day. I want Randy Orton to become champion. I want to meet Randy Orton. I think this show is terrific. I'm a big fan of Randy Orton and John Cena. I think Randy Orton deserves the belt. Randy Orton is my role model. I also want to know when is Randy Orton going to be on the show. And I also want to know how how can I meet Randy Orton and John Cena. Thank you. Bye. Hey, Kendall. Thanks so much for calling in. Uh, so it sounds like you're a big Randy Orton fan. And I, I believe that you and I now have something in common. I mean, he's been one of my favorites for the last... Well, since Edge returned at the Royal Rumble when he started the whole program. So we're closing in on a year. We're getting there. So about nine months. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm loving what he's doing. I've been advocating for him to be champion for three months now since he started the program with Drew McIntyre. Uh, maybe it's less than three months. But since he started with Drew, I said, hey, this guy needs to be champion because I, he is would be, I think, a better heel champion than Drew as a babyface champion. That's to me saying that says that says a lot. I hate to say that because I love Drew as champion, but I think that having Randy heel as a heel champion would be even more entertaining. And having the babyfaces in chase mode, chasing Orton for the championship, would be even better for Drew and other babyfaces chasing Orton. So I think Orton has a chance, a really good chance at Hell in a Cell. To finally beat Orton, this would be if Randy Orton takes a third loss to Drew McIntyre, then I don't. I mean, I don't know what to say. I'll be very disappointed. I will, and I love Drew as champion, so it's not a terrible option at all. But I just know how good Randy Orton could be as champion in, in his best iteration of a heel right now that he's ever been. So uh, as far as like you know, get him on the show. He's always open to come on the show. 
I mean, I would love to have him on the show. I don't think anybody would turn him down. I, I just don't know he does a whole lot of this stuff. I, I mean, I don't think he is. I, I don't ever hear Randy Orton on podcasts outside of like, you know, WWE's own internal uh, podcast platform. He doesn't do a whole lot of outside interviews. So getting him on here would be difficult, but I'm always welcome to it. Uh, and how do you meet him? Well, not uh, not easily. I'll say that, especially in these times of COVID. I mean, WWE is not holding live events where fans are really um, or fans are there, which means they typically do a meet and greet the day before. But if they're not doing live events, they're not doing the meet and greets, which means it's going to be very difficult. I would just say until we're back in person with actual fans and real human beings that are in the arenas and that that format returns, you're, you're going to have a really tough time trying to actually meet them. But uh, yeah, uh, awesome. I'm a big Randy Orton fan too. Okay, next voicemail. Yeah, hi, uh, Tim calling from Arlington, Texas. Um, just got finished listening to your role review and um, – Wanted to say I, I felt the same way with uh, with Buddy Murphy and Seth Rollins. Um, I suddenly um, am into this program, and yeah, whoever did this, whoever wrote this, did a phenomenal job. I agree with you. Um, I suddenly, as much as we've been supposed to, you know, been disliking uh, Murphy for the longest time, I now have empathy for Murphy, Murphy, which uh, is a pretty quick turn. You know, for you to not like someone and now you're rooting for them all of a sudden, right? Um, Aaliyah can still go away. I'm, I'm not interested in that at all. Mysterios, for the most part, can go away for now. I, I am – we all are over that story. I can't call into your show without talking about, you know, this situation and how much I dislike it. So we'll try not to get into that. I told you before when I called in, I think, for the first time, Seth Rollins happens to be one of my all-time favorites. So I want to I want to see him do more than this. Um, it's just disappointing that I don't even want to see my favorite wrestler on television. Um, but this is going to bring some new excitement to me. I'm going to like this a lot. Um, but as far as going back to um, the way their relationship has been, and I don't know if maybe I just see it from this point of view because I personally know someone, um, but this reminds me a lot of stories that I've heard of people who in real life or in abusive relationships, like spousal relationships. Um, this is what it reminds me of, the stories I hear. Um, how you've got the abuser, Seth Rollins, um, and the person being abused, Murphy. But there's a power thing there. And for some reason, it's really, really hard for the abusee to leave the relationship to stand up for themselves, to say what's on their mind. And I see it in Murphy's face a lot, how he just sits there quiet and he kind of grits his teeth and kind of shakes his head. And he, he doesn't, he wants to say something, but he doesn't say something and then he doesn't leave. And this is the same stories I hear in real life. And so, like I said, maybe because I personally know someone who went through these struggles in real life with an abusive relationship, this story What's been going on with, with Murphy and Seth Rollins reminds me exactly of these stories that I hear. So maybe they're kind of feeding off that. Maybe one of the writers or something has had this happen to them in real life or something. But I don't know. Anyways, uh, I just wanted to throw that out there and let you know that that's kind of the feeling I get from it. So I kind of understand Murphy having such a problem leaving no matter how abusive Seth is towards them. Hey, Tim. Really, really good stuff there. Uh, yeah, let, let me address the biggest thing you talked about first. 
which was the real life dynamic between abusers and, and abusees being brought into pro wrestling. I actually never even considered that. Never even brought that in. And it I think it is a great way to to uh to, to, to kind of bring in real life into pro wrestling and have pro wrestling fans realize why they care so much. Because more you know abuse in relationships is I, I promise the show won't get too heavy right now, but abuse in relationships is a lot more common than people think. It's hidden so often. It's often not on the table in a public format. Maybe the closest friends may know, maybe some family members, but oftentimes that person, man or woman, because it happens to men too, does not come forth with what's going on because of shame or guilt or whatever. And in this case, with Seth Rollins and Murphy, there is that dynamic going on where he takes the abuse from Seth because maybe he feels that if he leaves, he won't be as relevant that he loses the the spotlight and there is that struggle of power and where we're all rooting for him to just turn on Seth, get out of this relationship. It's abusive. It's exactly what this is. It's exactly what this is. And you've broken it down nicely as to why we're rooting for Murphy, because many of us have seen or heard, or unfortunately, maybe even firsthand have dealt with something like this. At least at the bare minimum, we've all heard of things like this. And now you've kind of broken it down into the reason why you care, I care, and most of fans care into a light switch of hating Murphy into, bam, we have sympathy and empathy for him, as you you pointed out. It's a great, great, great analogy. So uh, good stuff there. Um, and I know you also mentioned about Seth and, and how he, he's your favorite wrestler and now you don't even want to see him. But I think the draft may change that. I think if Seth is to break away and go to SmackDown, there's some things there. He could align with Roman Reigns. If I know Reigns is a is the big dog, he's a he's the lone wolf. I know he's not Baron Corbin, but you get it. I mean, Roman is not in a team format right now. But maybe Seth does join him. I mean, maybe Seth goes on a different path. But Seth needs a new a, a new environment. Seth needs a change of scenery, and I think that SmackDown would really help him. So. Um, yeah, Murphy has been great. So really good analogy. Thanks so much, Tim. All right, let's get to the final voicemail, I promise. And then we'll dive into the nostalgia portion of breaking down WrestleMania 35. Hey, Matt, it's Jim in New York. Just listened to your raw review where you posed the question of why would WWE be holding the draft now with Hell in a Cell in a couple of weeks? And I couldn't agree more. All you have to do is look back a year ago now. Uh, this very week, in fact, they had the SmackDown premiere on Fox, I believe it was October 4th, where Raw's Brock Lesnar challenged SmackDown's WWE champion, Kofi Kingston, and Brock Lesnar won it. The draft wasn't for another week until Friday the 11th, and for that week, Raw had two world champions. Brock was then drafted to SmackDown, Universal Champ Seth was drafted to Raw, he was scheduled to defend against The Fiend later at the month at Crown Jewel, and The Fiend was drafted to SmackDown. The Fiend goes on to win the title, and then SmackDown had both world championships. But not to fear, because the very next night on SmackDown, Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman came out and basically said they were quitting SmackDown and going back to Raw. I mean, I'm just having a headache thinking of all that. The point to this whole backstory is, I don't see WWE making that mistake this year, and I think you can save yourself some time, spend more time with your wife, and not even do a prediction show for Hell in a Cell this year, because to me, 
this pay-per-view is going to be the most predictable pay-per-view of the whole year, and it all stems from the draft. I really think Roman Reigns is the key here. Um, let's say he's drafted and stays on SmackDown, then you know the WWE champion's got to be on Raw. So that means if Drew McIntyre gets drafted to SmackDown, he's dropping the belt. Likewise, if Randy Orton is drafted to SmackDown, I don't think he's winning the title. The only way it gets a little murky, I think, is if Randy and Drew both stay on Raw. But to me, I mean, what's the point of having a draft if you're going to keep three of your top guys, Roman, Drew, and Randy, where they are? But let's say they do stay there. If that happens, I do think they go with the clean sweep with Drew beating Randy again. Um, I liken this feud to the uh, Batista-Triple H feud back from, I think it was 2005, where Batista beat Triple H for the title at Mania. He defended it a month later successfully, and then two months later, and I believe that third one with the Hell in the Cell match as well. I really think that feud put Batista on the map, and likewise, I think they're going to do that here with Drew, really make it like a bloody match and whatnot. I mean, for God's sake, they just dropped a, a Chosen One documentary on the guy, which was amazing, by the way. Um, plus, I do think Randy Orton, even though you hear outside the ring he's kind of a jerk, I really do think he has enough respect for the business, and Triple H in particular, that I don't think he wants to win another title and tie Triple H. But at least the men have the WWE and Universal title. What are they going to do with the women? Are they really going to draft Raw Women's Champion Asuka over to SmackDown? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. At any rate, that's all I got. At least it's enough intrigue to have me interested to watch, and uh, that's about it. Talk to you soon. Hey, Jim. As always, thank you for calling in. A lot of insight there. A lot of scenarios. A lot of what-ifs. And, yeah, I mean, again, again, why does they, why do they need to do this in the middle of a pay-per-view schedule, a pay-per-view cycle? Why can't they just start clean? It would make things so much easier. So much easier. You know, I mean, if Drew and, and um, Roman end up on the same paper, uh, on the same brand, and they're both champions... How does WWE address that for the two weeks? If if uh, Drew is still champion and then drops the belt at Hell in a Cell, that's fine. But how do they address that for two weeks? If fans are going to be going nuts. Wait a minute. There's no big champion on Raw. WWE can't do that. That's why I think that in the draft, Drew is still going to be champion. Even if he drops it in two weeks, he'll still be champion at the draft. So I think what's going to happen, as I said earlier, is that Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre will have their first interaction at the Royal Rumble. Because that is a draw, a Raw and SmackDown co-opted and NXT co-opted, uh, really tri-opted. Is that a word? Oh. <laughs> All three brands are on the damn pay-per-view and in the Royal Rumble match. That means, to me, that's the only way to do this. They would be able to do this very cleanly, though, if Drew drops into Hell in a Cell and then they have a draft the next night. But no, they're not going to do that. Nor are they ever going to explain how championships work. How do how do champions get drafted? I mean, if, if you if you are a champion of Raw, or you're the uh, tag team champions of SmackDown, for example, why are you able to be drafted? That was never explained. Th- those people should be exempt. Because the championships are locked to the brand. I'm not talking about WWE and Universal. I'm talking about the women's Raw tag, the women's... Um, Raw, the Raw Women's Championship. I'll get it out. I'm tired. The Raw Women's Championship, the SmackDown Women's Championship, the Raw Tag Team Titles, and the SmackDown Tag Team Titles. Those should be exclusive to the brand, and whatever team is holding that those championships are exempt. Because otherwise, it makes no sense. You're right. You're absolutely right. 
There's a lot of possibilities here, Jim, a lot. And you, you outlined a few of them of how they're going to do this. I don't know how they're going to do this, but you can rest assured, however they do it, will be a, a very low on logic and very high on, on the hopes of fans not caring or not understanding why WWE is doing what they're doing. You can just guarantee it. This is, you know, and it's, it's kind of, it kind of spits in the face of my own logic. It's like me arguing with myself about me always wanting WWE to more, be more sports-like, be more sports simulated. And it, then they do that last year where they do a mock draft. And then I complain that they're doing it as a, they're, they're doing it in a sports simulated way that doesn't make sense. So, I mean, it sounds like I'm arguing with myself, but it's all in the execution. And it's not real to believe that SmackDown Fox executives and Raw USA executives are really concerned and, and understand who they're picking. They don't. They don't. So let's just skip the war room and have just graphics appear on the screen. I don't need the visual of them cheering up and down, you know, like like they just uh, won the lottery. I, I don't need that visual. It was just embarrassing. So I'm good with visual of just, boom, up on the screen and move on with our lives. Thank you so much, Jim. I'm interested to see this pay-per-view um, probably more than you are. I know it does seem predictable. But when Vince sees predictability, he likes to do something unpredictable. So keep that in mind. All right. Let's move on to the main event here. Let's move on to the reason you're here after 49 minutes. If you're still here, thank you. Uh, but again, I, I do. I did say this last time. I want to make sure your voices are heard. And you guys have been flooding me with voicemails. I mean, I just went through, I don't know how many, four or five of them. And I want to make sure you guys get it. It's good to hear other voices, I think. So um, if if you'd like me to make this its own show, I'm totally open to that. But uh, let's jump into wrestling nostalgia of Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte Flair. Now, when Ronda Rousey came in and she signed a one-year deal of a full-time contract with WWE, she came in blazing. She came in as a babyface. She came in hot. She was in a tag team match with Kurt Angle against Triple H and Stephanie. And she outperformed, I think, in her first match at WrestleMania. WrestleMania 34. I think she outperformed many people's expectations. She was a great asset. Kurt Angle was the third wheel in that, which was bizarre to have Kurt Angle a third wheel in his really first match back in WWE. But it wasn't about Kurt Angle. It was about Ronda Rousey in that match. And she kicked ass. There's no other way to put it. And she then went after the women's championship, the Raw Women's Championship. She got it. Um, She ended up injuring Alexa Bliss several times. uh, And fans started to slowly resent her. And you may ask why. Some people still don't understand why. Ronda Rousey herself doesn't understand why fans turned on her. Which shows you the intelligence level of her really understanding why fans react the way they do instead of being filled with the propaganda that is WWE management in her ear about why fans do what they do. Oh, it's just to be rebels. It's just to be cool. It's a cool thing to cheer heels and boo baby faces. No, no, it's human instinct to cheer something you can relate to and boo something that you can't and boo something that you, that you feel you're being deceived by. And what we felt we were being deceived by and really that kind of tired of was Ronda Rousey as a babyface champion who cut awkward promos. Remember the avocado toast promo? I remember it. It was as bizarre. Uh, Ronda Rousey has a very, she's very unique. And, and you know what? She's made a ton of money. She's been super successful. Kudos to her. But she has 
been a bizarre cat from the beginning. Very intense. Good-looking woman. She's got all the assets to succeed, and she did many times over. But her disrespect for the business, I think, started to really show. And even showed more, obviously, since she's left the business of talking about fans, um, you know, working themselves into a work that became a shoot. I mean, she was trying to use all these wrestling insider terms to make her look like, you know, that she was an insider. She knows what these mean. No, the terms mean, no, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. She, look, fans, fans can probably understand and use the term work and shoot better than she can. She's a loose cannon for WWE. Remember when she went off on the whole uh, wrestling fake? They wanted me to just say this. I didn't do it. Remember that whole thing that popped up on her YouTube channel weeks before WrestleMania? I mean, things like that that I'm sure, you know, I'm not even sure, but I don't even care if I'm sure if WWE, WWE approved it or not. Even if they approved it, to me, the, the point is moot because if WWE approved that, they're idiots because... It's not edgy to do something like that when it exposes the business that fans love. Transparently expose it. Because guess what's going to happen when she comes back into the ring? She's still going to do the work, right? She's going to make it a work. She's not going to make it a shoot. Real and fake, guys. Just And I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. I'm sure you guys know what it is, but a work means it's it's produced. It's it's predetermined. A shoot means it's for real. So I'm, I'm sure you're like shaking your head. I already know that. But maybe there's fans listening that don't. So when Rhonda talks about works and shoots and all that stuff, and she's saying they wanted me to say this and that, but I didn't say it, man, it's not good if it was approved by WWE. It's worse if it wasn't, and all that that led up to Mania was just not good for Ronda Rousey, and not in a heel heat way, just in a like, you're you're just, I mean, like get out of here, like not in a way that's oh, I want to see someone beat her up because when you know when someone beats her up, it's still a work. You want to see someone just kick her ass for real. You know, she, she's, and I always knew, and I said this from the beginning, that Ronda Rousey, when she goes on a heel run, is going to be a monster heel, and she was. She was. She was a really good heel because she's just an arrogant, naturally arrogant. I don't need to say that. She is a naturally arrogant person, and it comes across excellently <laughs> as a WWE pers- uh, personality. I just wish she would take away the need to expose the business and try to make it more real. There's a limit. I don't need you to transparently, blatantly say that this business is work. We know it is. It's not making it more real and edgy by you saying it. It's like you've gone too far. It, it, it's not... There is a law of diminishing returns that more is not better in terms of making this more real. We can, In our minds, we can make it as real as we want. But when you tell us it's not real... It brings us out of it, and we're like, yeah, okay, well, then what are you here for? And then she tries to make it a, a, you know, a real shoot, and she does these weird posts and, and videos on her YouTube, and then it's gone too far, and it, it takes away from the match. But Ronda was blazing hot. She she had, a you know again, injured Alexa Bliss a couple of times. Um, she was quick in the ring. She, she picked up as quickly as Kurt Angle, I think, did. Maybe not as quick, but certainly up there. I mean, she caught on to the business very quickly. And she worked hard. And her promos were weird. Um, because she's a, just a weird person. A weird... And I, I, you know, I don't know what she is in real life. But I think that what we see on TV is probably mostly her. I mean, that, that's a good thing. Because that's what you want. But 
Hey, uh, I'm not a fan of Ronda Rousey in an in-ring perspective, and many people are speculating about her coming back. We'll get to that in a minute. But focusing on the WrestleMania deal, Becky Lynch at the same time was getting red hot. She organically was growing. Uh, her fan base was clamoring for her to become a, a Raw Women's Champion. Ronda Rousey was the the uh, established champion heel at that point. I mean, the fans just kind of turned on her. And Becky Lynch, by the act of God, <laughs> the wrestling gods, and I don't mean JBL, ended up getting a busted nose by Nia Jax before Survivor Series when Ronda and Becky were supposed to go at it. And we never got that one-on-one match. But that busted nose, I think, did more for Becky than she ever and anyone ever anticipated. That shot of her with blood coming down her face was brilliant. And we all remember that moment. But uh, Becky Lynch going into this program was red hot. Fans were dying for her to face Ronda Rousey one-on-one. And we thought we were going to get it. And then comes the Royal Rumble. And guess what happens at the Royal Rumble? It comes down to Charlotte and Becky. And Becky wins. But myself, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm just giving you my perception of what that time was. You can go back and listen from a couple of years ago. I made, I made all these predictions. But, and trust me, I'm more often wrong than I am right. So I'm not sitting here being arrogant about my predictions. I just remember feeling very strongly about this. Was that when Charlotte lost... There was rumblings of her somehow still being interjected into the main event of WrestleMania. Because as we knew, Becky Lynch was going to choose Ronda Rousey. And she did. And that's the right move. And we all thought, and some fans thought, we're going to get one-on-one. We're going to get one-on-one. And rumors started to build that somehow Ronda Rousey, or uh, Charlotte, is going to slide her way into this match. And sure as hell, she did. In a way that was still to this day not explained. What am I talking about? I think it was two SmackDowns before WrestleMania. Asuka, who was the champion at SmackDown, the SmackDown Women's Champion at the time, had to face Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Never was that explained. Never. Nor did Asuka ever care about that. Her character never put up a stink about it. Now, I'm sure in real life, Asuka was red hot and you know what good for her she should be Uh, you know i wouldn't roll over and just take it from wwe in the backside with something like that i mean you take the championship off me two weeks before wrestlemania just so that it could be included in the uh, main event of wrestlemania and then get charlotte flair somehow in there so that they can forever say that Charlotte Flair was in the main event of WrestleMania, which is the only reason they did this was to get Flair in there so that they could say that. When Charlotte Flair had no business being in there, I felt really bad for Oscar, who then went into obscurity after that. I mean, there was like a period of time after WrestleMania, you didn't, you didn't even see her. And the, the match was never explained. And, and, and Charlotte beat her on SmackDown for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I'm still red hot about that. Because it it's... Ugh. It, it's unfair to Asuka. I know we should all, oh, we got to move on, we got to move on, but you'll never get that moment back. You'll never have another first women's main event of WrestleMania. Never. I, th- it, it, You know, it's something I never thought I'd see. I'll be honest. You know, five, six, seven years ago, I never thought I'd see this. So kudos to all these women. But the story here, 
was Rhonda and Becky, period. Does everyone, anyone remember how hot Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey were the night after the Royal Rumble? To me, that was the peak of their heat because you knew which direction Becky was going to go and you were dying to see it in just a few months at WrestleMania. And then they pour cold water on it by adding Charlotte Flair into the mix. No. Charlotte Flair is a great talent, an exceptionally awesome talent. But you don't just put somebody in the match because they're a great talent. You put them in because the story makes sense. And in this case, Charlotte Flair made zero sense going into this match. And putting it, uh, putting the SmackDown Women's Championship on the line in this match so that Vince could break the tagline, winner take all. Remember that? That was the tagline. I know that the match needs to be as big as it could be. But that is actually an artificial way that reduces the match importance and the match build when you add somebody to it and put another championship in it. To me, it reduced it because it took the focus off of one-on-one, which is to me what all championship matches should be at WrestleMania, especially WrestleMania. And it put the focus on, oh, these three women are making history. They're making history. We're going to make history. We're going to make history. How about y'all start, like, stop writing history books and start caring about winning the match? Because more often than not, and I couldn't stand this during the women's evolution, was the women would blatantly talk about making history instead of talking about winning the match or winning the championship or retaining their championship. It was so disgusting to hear in their promos about worrying about making history. That's like Dolph Ziggler talking about stealing the show. No. That's not why you're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be here to win and to win championships. That's the only reason I'm supposed to believe you're here. If I'm here and you tell me you're here, if you're here and you tell me you're here because you're here to entertain, then you're basically a clown. You're here to just entertain. I mean... Make a nice little, you know, dog-shaped balloon for me. Paint your face all nice and rosy. I mean, that's essentially what you're here for. You're here for entertainment. But I don't get invested in just just a basically one-dimensional entertainment. That's very superficial. I need to care about the character. And tell me why you're here. And so I know I'm getting way off topic. My point on this is that this match did not need Charlotte Flair. Period. End of subject. It's been over, almost two years. A eh, year and a half. I'll give it that. A year and a half since this match happened. And it was number one, the match I think was really good. I'm going to get to some audio in a minute. Uh, I, I enjoyed the match. Um, I, I'll be honest. <laughs> I felt bad for the women because it was, yeah, it was the main event. But boy, man, I actually, and I, I will admit this, I fell asleep during the main event because. WrestleMania was just too damn long. And they finally figured out this year that WrestleMania is too big for one night. (laughs) So, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is, WWE. It's too effing big for one night when you put that many matches on the card. So, because everyone gets a trophy, according to to WWE, in their biggest show of the year, everyone gets a participation trophy, which, to me, should be the complete opposite of WrestleMania, which is the Super Bowl of wrestling, which is what you tell us. Yet, in any Super Bowl or World Series, pretty sure it just comes down to the elite. It doesn't just get 
doesn't everyone just doesn't get a pass, right? Hey. So let's get to some audio from this match, and then I'll talk about like where these where these women are, when they could be coming back. So let's take a listen. Ronda realizes she needs to neutralize both opponents simultaneously oh, oh, oh. for the best chance to win. You've seen this. Double armbar. Double armbar. Rousey and, and Lynch working together in unison. Just too much for Ronda to take. Look at this. Tandem power. Rousey's in trouble. That's what oh. planning through the mat. I don't believe they're done yet. Rousey's still hanging on. Becky and Charlotte again. Becky and and Charlotte want to neutralize Ronda ASAP. All right, so Becky and uh, Ronda actually, or Becky and Charlotte are teaming up on Ronda there, as you heard. And you'll notice the crowd is not too into this. Uh, At this point, I mean, the match was about 20-some minutes long, but the, the fans were, boy, they were tired. A lot of them I know left because of a train in New York City that was leaving, and if you didn't get on the train, then you're, you're going to have to stay another night. It just all the logistics of things, which just tells you WrestleMania is too damn long. So, uh, But yeah, the, the positioning of this match, you get fans least amount of energy in the main event because they're so tired from the pre-show, from the whole weekend, from all the matches that happen. They're emotionally and physically drained. And by the time they get to the main event, it's hard. It's really hard, man. And I felt for these women from that perspective, albeit the match was good, really good. I enjoyed the match. Um, but, you know, it was hard from that perspective. I felt, As I said, I fell asleep. <laughs> I fell asleep during the main event uh, because I was so tired laying on my couch going through the film, five, six hours of WrestleMania. Uh, and I woke up and obviously Becky had won the championship. But it was tough. It was really tough. But, uh, yeah, um, then we get to the finish, so let, let's just let's, let's listen to it because you got you got to listen to the finish of the match, right? Like that's that's the whole point. So uh, let, let's listen. Check your chin, man. Going pound for pound with Rousey. Oh, oh my Rousey God. just takes out Becky. Down goes the man. Rousey is about to take it all. Wait, that bad leg out of Rousey, not allowing her to get to her feet. Now she finally does, struggling to post and put the. Weight needed on her Piper's pit. Left leg. Oh my God. Shoulders down. Shoulders down. Take it. Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch is the winner. Take all and is both raw and SmackDown Women's Champion. Wanda Rousey doesn't think her shoulders are down. I, I mean, I would think it'd be worth a replay, but... Ronda Rousey was looking for Piper's pin. To her credit, Becky Lynch, it looks like, was able to shift her weight and pin Ronda's shoulders to the mat. I think Becky got her there. Well, Ronda Rousey has suffered her first pinfall loss in WWE. Becky Lynch takes it all tonight. All righty, so there's their finish. And, yeah, I'd forgotten how kind of sloppy the end of that match was in terms of the finish. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Uh, first of all, the crowd is just dead. I mean, and, and I don't mean in a, again, the way that it means that they didn't do their job. It's just, there's nothing left. I mean, you're so tired. You're just thinking about getting home. Maybe you got school the next day. Maybe you got to take care of kids. got to get on the train. You got to go back to your hotel room. You're just, you're just exhausted. And the fans, I get it. I get it. I mean, they were just done by the end of that night. But uh, notwithstanding, I, I think they did a good job. It just, the end of the match was, it was a little sloppy. 
You know, it ended with the dreaded, most devastating finisher in WWE history, the roll-up, or the backslide in this case. But uh, you know, I understand why they did it, because Ronda had not yet been pinned in WWE, nor submitted. And so they made that first time happen at WrestleMania. But go back and watch. I mean, it just adds to the referee incompetence. Like, somebody should do a documentary. Somebody should do a documentary on WWE official incompetence. Because it is strikingly bad. Somebody needs to do this. It will be viewed by millions. I really believe that. Because no one ever focuses on the referees. I mean, we complain about them from week to week. But nobody really does an in-depth like, count or, or yeah, like, account or um, tally of all the mishaps and miscues. Whether it's intentional or not, or, or a botch or not, it needs to be accounted for. I mean, in this case, the referee missed the main event of WrestleMania finale, the, the finish of the main event of WrestleMania, where Ronda's, especially the count of one, her shoulders were not even to the mat yet. And the referee kind of did somewhat of a fast count, but that's just kind of the style now. No one has patience for a one, two, three. That's actually three seconds. It's like two seconds with three taps. But it was a little bit sloppy. And, uh, you know, Ronda was shocked. And she kind of has a case there to say, hey, I never lost. And she didn't. When you look at it, she never really lost. Uh, and so, you know, you do all these kicks and power bombs and through the tables and all this stuff, and it ends in a backslide. Again, backslides and roll-ups are not necessarily a bad thing, but when you see them on a weekly basis, it's not the best. It's just overused, and it's a it's a crutch for allowing the person that was the, is the, the um, one who lost the match to come back and say, you got lucky. So, anyway, well-deserved by all the women. And let's take a look, take a look at where these where these women could be. First of all, Charlotte. I think she's the most likely to come back the soonest. Uh, she was injured. I think taking time off from the fans is a good thing. She seemed like she was everywhere, and I'm glad that she is gone uh, or was gone. I believe Nia Jax is the one that injured her on her way out, uh, at least in storyline. So she could be coming back for revenge against Nia Jax. And I believe her return is imminent in the next couple of months. So keep an eye out for that. Becky Lynch, I think is, well, I know she's on maternity leave. So um, she's probably close to being due in the next couple of months. I think December is when she's due. So assuming she has her baby and all things are going well and she maybe spends a, you know six to eight months with the child and then decides to come back to WWE and she will. You're looking at maybe SummerSlam next year, maybe early summer at the absolute earliest, maybe June, July in time for SummerSlam, and then Becky Lynch is back. So that'll be a huge gain for WWE in the women's division. And then Ronda Rousey. I don't think she's coming back. I don't want her back. And I don't mean that in the heel way of, oh man, I just hope someone comes back and kicks her ass. No, I don't mean that in a heel way. I mean it in just she's disrespectful to the business. Whether it's pre- whether it's prepared or produced like that or not, I don't care. She's just a disrespectful person to the business, and I don't need that in a way again that you oh it's heel heat. No, it's not. It's it's like I don't want her on my screen, and I don't mean that in a oh I hope someone fake beats her up. No, I hope someone actually does in the in an octagon. I'm not saying somebody on the street. I'm talking about get it or get her in an octagon. So I want to make that distinction. So, all right. Well, I know you guys uh, are with me here. It's, it's longer than my usual wrestling nostalgia, a little over an hour now. But thank you for sticking with us. 
We appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed it. I know we have a long voicemail segment at the beginning of the show. I, I know that you're here for nostalgia, so uh, maybe I will break this into its own separate show. Let me know what you guys think, or maybe I'll just continue to do it in its own uh, in its own show or in in these shows and just do it at the beginning. So let me know what you think. Let me know how you guys want it formatted. And uh, hit us up at realwwepodcast at gmail.com or call us. You leave that voicemail. You guys have been doing so a lot, and that's great, at 518-952-0247. Again, tomorrow night, I'll be on here with the Botch Guy covering the first night of the WWE Draft from SmackDown. I'll be doing it, probably um, dropping it late tomorrow night for your Saturday morning uh, pleasure. And then uh, be back Sunday. I'll be back Sunday with your weekend review with a co-host to be determined or maybe by myself. I don't know yet. Things are crazy this weekend, as you know, with uh, my moving and everything else. So, guys, as always, thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Are you in a position where you need to sell your home? Perhaps you're facing financial difficulties or you're facing a foreclosure, a divorce, or maybe you're just relocating because of retirement. Maybe there are some other debt issues and you just need to sell your home. Well, Here is a great solution for you. And that solution is Bright Realty Investment. They are a leading real estate solutions company, and their mission is to work hand-in-hand with all parties to handle every situation with the utmost professionalism and care. So if you're in a particularly stressful financial situation right now and you need to protect your credit, then don't waste another minute. Head on over to brightrealtyinvestment.com. That's brightrealtyinvestment.com. And when you go to the website, there's a really easy form you fill out. It's right at the top, and they'll get back to you immediately. So why wait? Don't let that divorce, that retirement, or other bad debt situation take control of your life. Take control back and head on over to brightrealtyinvestment.com where they can buy your house, protect your credit, and get your life back on track. Again, head on over to brightrealtyinvestment.com.